Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. Exactly what you all wanted, I'm sure. Uh, welcome back, unofficial 40, Eddie Radosovich here in. Uh, I'm the captain now. I have killed Carrie. Uh, I'm taking over. We're going to make a lot of changes. No, uh, Carrie is out sickly this this evening or afternoon or whatever we want to call it, and uh, I'm in the captain seat. So anything that goes wrong today will definitely be not my fault, but it will there definitely be Carrie's fault for not being able to do this and he's going to hear all of this and uh yeah that's where we're at so uh good afternoon gentlemen how are we i'm fantastic i you know i'm i'm pretty happy uh you know carrie's not here i don't want to get sick and i think he got it from you actually eddie that's, that's, well, that's, that's actually that's, the that's, funny part that's right? not that's not <laughs> true to a certain extent i was i have been sick and i was able to work through it but we also got to remember that my you know immune system and overall competency of uh of life is probably stronger than everybody else's that's true you so i'm not going to take full responsibility i've fought off covid multiple times uh whether it be real or not so yeah that's where we're at today uh, you're comparing yourself to Carrie. I mean, we're talking about one of the lesser immune systems in the no, in the known world. Like, I can't I, don't know. I can't confirm that he is sick. Like he he came up here earlier and uh, sounded like shit. So we basically executive decision. I felt bad. I felt bad that he was even up here. I was like, man, if you need me to uh, to put in the captain seat, I usually do nothing during this uh, this program. So I could uh, I could I could I could drive this bus. I can do this. It's not at all that I think Carrie is a faker. I think Carrie just has a horrible immune system. That dude, I swear to God, you can like set your clock by at least once every three weeks. He will have some sort of virus or junk. Well, there's there's stuff just going around too. I feel like I, I feel like a bunch of my buddies have been sick here lately. I think that a lot of people uh, probably have COVID again, but nobody wants to go get it checked. Uh, that was kind of where I was, and you know, I wasn't going to do anything until. I lost taste or smell or maybe got a fever. So uh, call it a cold, call it COVID, call it whatever. It's kind of going around. Well, you hate to get into this, you know, very poly charged argument, but 
let's be real. COVID has basically become the flu in the way people view it. They're like, I don't want to get checked for it because I know all the shit I got to go through. I'm not dealing with it. Yeah, exactly. I'm not I'm not shutting down my life for uh, a couple days, even though I maybe would probably prefer it to be so. Yeah, but the nice part is for all the algorithms, we're going to get a lot of hits because we've said COVID at least seven times already. So this is going to be a big pod for us in the uh, health industry. Good. And that's why we are strong advocates of uh, the healthcare system and everything that comes with it, including uh, the use of uh, masking purposes, uh, you know, particularly the burning of masks. So that's where we're at today. We're just going to see how many times we can get canceled throughout the uh, the hour and a half here. How many awkward pauses would you put the over under at for this, this uh, sucker? Probably the amount of car crashes that Sarah Stitt has had. So that's like three. God. So we'll that's go we'll like, go three three and a half. How about I think that? Every podcast I've been on so far on here, you've said that. Well, she's a, we're, she's a friend of the program, and you know I I think that that's one of the things that we like to point out. I, there also will be, uh, I'm guessing, no bleeping of Eddie in this episode either. I'm going to mind my manners as long as, uh, I don't know, maybe when we get to the basketball segment. There's been a lot going on, though, here uh, in Norman. Obviously, we got spring football, the enjoy vision look around spring ball getting underway last week. We've been out to practice now twice, uh, you know, last week on, what was that, the first day of practice Tuesday. On, on Tuesday, yep. and then we were back out there on Monday, guys. I, I guess let's just start here. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, physically, everybody looks pretty damn good. I, I would say that Schmidt's kind of done his thing here over the last uh, couple months since the end of the uh, the off season. Yeah, uh, I, I think, too, it's nice. We get to t- we got to talk to quite a few guys uh, after practice the other day. Robert Spears Jennings looked really good, uh, spoke a lot about, you know, different things and, and how he's feeling at safety. I thought Isaiah Coe looked really good. Reggie Grimes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been super eventful and, and got to talk to a handful of, of players, Austin Stogner. Um, you know, I haven't seen him in, in a long time. So, uh, to see him out there, it, it's definitely, it, it's nice to be able to go out there for, I don't know what, 45 minutes and, and get to see a good chunk of practice, especially there doing the W drill. I know we'll get into a little bit of that later, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been good and we've gotten to see, you know, quite a few guys. And it's been nice to see the guys who are returning, but now are going to be pushed by the newcomers. You could hear it. You could hear like in Reggie Grimes' voice. It's like, oh, you know, maybe not necessarily a wake-up call, but there's a sense of urgency. They're kind of letting me know what what I did in 2022 wasn't enough. So what do I got to do to get better? Saw it a lot watching practice with Key Lawrence. Him internally, you know, motivating himself and psyching himself up. It's like, I've got to win every single rep. Come on, Key, you got to do this. It's like, you brought Reggie Pearson in. It's like, you're, those guys are being told, you know, flat out, it wasn't what we needed in 2022, but it's up to you to be who we're going to need in 2023. It's been, uh, you know, I, I always get a kick out of like everything that goes on with spring too, because everybody wants to know obviously about the quarterback position and how Jackson Arnold looks. I know that like we were laughing after we left uh, practice on Monday, somebody on the radio, like just being so enamored with how Jackson Arnold threw the ball because it was the first time he had seen him, which I get to a certain extent, but there is no like quote unquote controversy at that position right now. I mean, it's pretty obvious that that is Dylan Gabriel's job. Not only is it his job, but this is kind of his team. Nah, yeah, I think the only controversy po- possibility would be 
is if when spring completes, does Jeff Levy name Jackson Arnold as the backup, and then would Davis Bevel hit the portal? That that might be like your yeah. I was thinking about that. Your only issue Bevel that you could and see or General Booty maybe going to the portal during the spring. I I can't imagine that they start August camp with both of them, but maybe so. I don't know. That room seems tight. I don't know. I, I follow both all those guys on social media, and they seem pretty close. So mm-hmm. I wonder. Yeah, if DG's maybe... kind of wrapped uh, Bevel within like his Dime Time product yeah. and all the stuff that they did on the social media push with that release. So I wonder if they stick around, and and if you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked too if Lebby just says, "Oh no, it's going to carry into the fall," so that Davis up Davis Bevel sticks around because they knew they need at least three of those guys. Now General Booty might not stick around, but uh, yeah, I, I think it is funny though because it's some people are like. Oh, Jackson Arnold looks incredible out there. He's throwing the ball like five yards to, <laughs> to like no one. And sure. so uh, I just, and it's the same with a lot of these guys. I mean, everybody looks great in spring. Um, you know, I don't know if there's anybody out there that I'm like, man, he doesn't look good, you know? So I, I think it's really hard because, and we're also out there too when they're doing drills that they're not really, um, you know, going through, you know, actual play. Yeah, we're not or, really getting a chance to evaluate what they're doing. Right. Now, yeah, I will no, say the W drill, does. I will say Billy, <laughs> Billy Bowman and Drake Stoops, that clip Eddie put out, that was awesome. Uh, you know, I watched Danny Stutzman beat Austin Stogner a couple times on that drill. Um, uh, Canick looked really good. Uh, Kobe McKenzie. Kobe McKenzie might actually be the best-looking guy out there, him and, and uh, P.J. Atabare. Yeah, it feels uh, like he's lost a little bit of that baby fat. I don't know if that's the right wording for it, but it, he definitely has started to mature a little bit. I don't know how many of the uh, the pictures and stuff and video that you've been able to see, Josh. Uh, it seems like there is a little bit of a coming of age for a bunch of guys that, you know, I think would... It's only natural to think that they're going to make a step here during their second spring on campus. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and this is that, that first group, and, and I... Eddie, I think you're right to call it baby fat because I don't know what what else you would call it because Kobe was just always a thick kid. Like I remember seeing him at the end of his a little bit his junior year at Lubbock Cooper when they they got bounced in the state semifinals, and he was a guy that was just you were like, holy crap! I mean this this guy might grow into defensive end because he's so big, but to see you know, and I know that that was something that even before he you know, had signed and was all in with Oklahoma, there was that conversation of like, you're going to have to change your body a little bit. You're going to have to do some different things. And he bought into that like fully, like just, okay, this is what I've got to do. This is where I've got to be. I've got to be more athletic, more fluid, less of just a, you know, tackle to tackle kind of linebacker. So I I, I do. And I think you're going to see a lot of those guys in that class, um, you know, make a jump. I I think one of the guys that, and and I do it myself, that I think could be really key for this year is a guy like Gavin Freeman that wasn't even part of that class, but is now going into his second year, his first spring on campus, doing all of those things. Like I, I think you know, you look at that receiver room; they need a playmaker. They need somebody that can do some of that stuff. And I know people will kind of just because he was a walk-on, people kind of write Gavin Freeman off of that role. But the limited touches he had last year, that guy made plays. Like I, there's just no other way to say it. We'll get to the wide receiver stuff here in a second. George, you wrote about Emmett Jones today, the new wide receivers coach down in Norman. Uh, met him last week, was that? Thursday. Uh, last Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty impressive first appearance. I, I think that it's pretty obvious why there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, obviously have spoken very highly of Oklahoma's new hire at the wide receiver position. 
Yeah, and I haven't talked to all the assistant coaches yet. I'm still trying to get to know most of them. But in terms of interviews, I would assume he's he's towards the top. I mean, the guy's very personable. Uh, took some extra time to talk to me off to the side, and that's kind of what led to this this story that I ended up writing. But uh, you also just talk to people that know him, and, and Josh knows this. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but he knows everybody in the Dallas area and even the Houston area. I mean, this, the state of Texas uh, is somewhere that – he's he's really well known and that's going to show up in recruiting and and it's it was interesting because i i called almost a dozen people whether it was players or coaches and not anybody had a a bad word to say about this guy so he's super impressive uh and he's got his hands full with that group because i think that at least for me that's my biggest concern for this team going into next year is who is going to be who are going to be those receivers that step up because I think we all know that Farouk can maybe be that guy. We want to see it, you know, on a consistent basis. But who's going to be that next that next guy? We know what you're going to get from Drake Stoops. But can a DJ Graham step up? I mean, that's another guy that I want to write about. We, we talked to him the other day. You know, he sounds pretty confident in himself that he can be a, a good player at receiver. But let's see it happen, you know, this spring and next fall. And then, uh, you know, like Josh said, Gavin Freeman. Uh, and then you've got the young guys, Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson, you know, LV uh, Bunkley, Shelton, uh, J.J. Hester. So, there's kind of a, a hodgepodge of guys, you know, and you just need to see one, two, three of those guys step up. So it's an interesting room, and, and uh, it seems like Emmett Jones, though, is, is off to a hot start. There's so many of those guys at the wide receiver positions. Like, I think he has talent enough that he can right. help contribute, but I don't know if he is going <laughs> to contribute. But he hasn't done it yet. Right. There's nothing to suggest. Yes. Which, you know, I, I think that – and we'll, we'll get to, uh, you know, more of kind of in-depth on your story here in a second, uh, George, just as far as, like, the first thing that always has come up with uh, Emmett Jones and Josh, I know that you've heard about this as well is uh, just development. The word development comes up time and time again, when you're talking about, uh, you know, kind of what he needs to do while in Norman. First half, first, 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 first awkward pause of the day. That's <laughs> no, okay. No, I, I, I wasn't sure if that was aimed for no, that's, me, but yeah. Well, I, no, I was shooting it at both of you guys, uh, whoever. Sure, my bad. No, my no, bad. no, no, no. We'll, 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 we'll continue on, though. We'll come back to, uh, to Emmett Jones in the wide receiver position. See how this bitch moves now? We continue on. There is no looking back. Um, as far as uh, softball goes, obviously they played really well over the weekend up in Ames. Big one coming up this weekend with uh, the Friday Night Showdown in Oklahoma City at Hall of Fame Stadium, and then the two down in Norman with uh, with Texas, a little bit of a rematch from last year's national title series. Yeah, and, you know, both teams looked really good to begin conference play. They both got the sweep, so it's number one versus number nine. Of course, the goal of Friday night is to have the largest attendance ever for a regular season softball game. You know, they're bringing in all the bleachers to try to make it. Are they going to be in the outfield, too? I, I think they are. I mean, really? would, I would think that'd be the only way you could try to set that. I record. guess just because they don't have a whole lot of quote unquote regular season games there, maybe I don't yeah. know. And so they're gonna, you know, they're talking about they're gonna stripe the stadium. I'm sure OU fans are well aware of what that means from all times that foot that uh, football has has done it. And you you know they they've had a couple of weekends where on Friday they weren't sharp. And then Saturday and Sunday they turned it on, and that happened again this last weekend in Ames. It was three nothing on Friday. Alex Stor- uh, uh, Storaco was brilliant, so they didn't need much more than that. But they're going to need to bring it all three games against the Horns, and that's sort of a question I have for Patty. As I, I'm going to get getting ready to talk to her here in a, 
couple hours, just this type of focus or preparation, like what sort of changes maybe are they trying to do to make sure that they're ready to go Friday? Because there's no doubt they've been ready to go Saturday and Sunday. They've looked tremendous whenever they believe they haven't played their best, but can they play their best right from the jump? Should be a, a lot of fun this weekend. As far as basketball goes real quick, uh, not a whole lot of portal news out there. It's just kind of a wait and see mode. We'll get to basketball here in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it it, it it really is just, you know, guys have gone into the portal. Now it's slowing down. Now it's like start setting up your visits. No more excuses. Baseball's been embarrassing this past week. Uh, losers of five in a row. They blew a three-run lead twice on Tuesday night up in Wichita. Lost to Wichita State for the second time this season uh, after getting swept in between by uh, Pete Hughes' Kansas State team. They can't keep leads. They get down early in games, can't score runs, and uh, I think that about covers it. That, Have we officially they, reached... They do a lot of... Uh, they do everything that bad baseball teams do. Are we past the point of saying, oh, this was going to be a process anyway? No, I mean, I, I think that a lot of it is. It's just tough to stomach it because they were so good at the end of last season. Uh, you know, they got hit a little bit by the uh, the draft bug, which, you know, obviously, I think if, they, if you had one of two options... Do you want a bunch of guys to get drafted or do you want nobody to get drafted? You're going to take the guys that do get drafted. So they are getting talent to campus. Now it's kind of about recultivating that uh, pitching staff. And they haven't been able to find any answers uh, on the back end right now. Aaron Weber, you know, he was really good leading up into last week. Right? And then he gives up the two-run lead against Dallas Baptist uh, a week ago tonight. So it's been trying times it seems like it's one thing or another they have they've had injuries you start getting wallace clark back into uh you know the lineup every day and then all of a sudden he has two errors last night that lead to uh you know three or four runs six of the eight wichita state runs were unearned on tuesday night so they uh, they pretty much check every box of what you can't do uh in the game of baseball and usually it leads you to uh looking bad and getting beat so uh, good news is, well, uh, good news and bad news. The good news is they get right back after it on Thursday night. The bad news is it's a uh, top 10 team, number seven, Stanford, coming to town for a four-game series. So, how did they make that happen? Accepted. Uh, how did they schedule them? Yes. I think that, I don't know. Ryan Gaines just worked his magic and got him coming <laughs> to town. I, I really don't know. I don't know what uh, Stanford's uh, schedule looks like. Maybe they had a series that opened up and they were able to uh, talk their way into it. I really don't know. Uh, but I assure you that it's probably not the boys of Palo Alto wanting to come see Cleveland <laughs> County in late March. Maybe the weather will help him out a little bit, although it's supposed to be pretty nice. George, have I ever told you that I was blind once? Yes. Um, I remember you being blind the last time I was I was here. really blind, though. Like, yeah. not fake blind like Helen Keller. I was really blind. Yes. Yeah, no, I remember you would always talk about how you couldn't see anything during the games. And then I went to Enjoy Vision which is a uh, laser vision center in Oklahoma City. And it's, in my opinion, the best one. They use a combination of mind-blowing technology, experienced eyeball surgeons, and exceptional patient care, which was life-changing for me because I went in there one day blind as a bat, and then I left. And after about a 12-ish hour period, and really the, uh, the laser portion of the surgery only took about 15 minutes. But then uh, after rest and recovery, I could see everything. I could see through walls. And now I have the best vision, maybe on Campus Corner. A special thank you to Enjoy Vision because of that. And because of our partnership and because they love the U40 listener, you can use 
Enjoy Vision. And you can go to enjoywithme.com and use the promo code U40. And you can actually start trying to see just as good as me. It probably won't be as good as me, but it will be quite comparable. Do you understand? Were you scared when you went and did that? I was a little bit scared, but the fine folks of Enjoy took care of me. They gave me a couple Vicodins and uh, I was ready to roll. I think there were Percocets actually. Actually, I think they were just volumes. Sometimes you get the over-the-counter stuff that, you know, it all mixes well and it makes you feel good and it took care of my nerves. And I left Enjoy Vision with uh, basically perfect vision. So I implore everybody or anybody that is looking to uh, get laser surgery to go to Enjoy Vision. That is Enjoy With Me, the letter N, J-O-Y, with me.com, promo code U40. Enjoy Vision. This is where you LASIK. That was pretty good, wasn't it? That was really Not bad. Good. I think there's going to be a lot Great of people ad. that are pretty impressed with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty impressed with that. That is uh, one ad read down, a couple more to go. I'm not as confident about the other ones. But we like all of our sponsors equally. Although Enjoy Vision did help me be able to see. Uh, what do you guys think? Where do we want to go? The football stuff obviously is the leader right now. Spring ball in the second week right now. That are you know, future freaks. The future freak stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. Let's stick with the football stuff, uh, the, the team stuff. Most importantly, uh, Emmett Jones and kind of our first impressions of him. I thought the line of the night in meeting with him last Thursday was talking about Drake Stoops. And then we go out there on uh, Monday and Drake's mixing it up with Billy Bowman. Uh, you know, there's so many of those guys, though. Uh, it will be interesting to see how he kind of cultivates that position. Yeah, and you know I, I'm really intrigued. I mentioned it earlier, but I spent some time talking to DJ Graham the other day, and it really feels like he's got a chance. And and you guys could probably talk about this better because you guys covered him a little bit in high school. But I didn't realize how prolific of a receiver he oh, was yeah. mm-hmm. in high school, and and that was really his primary position. And and he was telling me through the recruiting process that uh, you know every school that offered him offered him at wide receiver except for. Oklahoma was sort of like an athlete is what he said. They just said, hey, come in and be an athlete. And obviously he ended up moving to corner because they needed, he said they needed depth there. Um, And obviously he was able to play pretty quickly. And then the other school was Georgia that offered him at corner actually is what he was telling me. Um, I don't know if you guys recall that, but he feels like a guy that he, he looks the part, uh, you know, you watch his high school film at receiver and he was a stud. And uh, it just feels like he's a guy that could maybe contribute there. He even told me, too, and I'm going to write about this a little later this week. Uh, he's training with Travis Wilson, who is obviously a former Oklahoma wide receiver. I, I don't know where he's coaching at now. Somewhere in, I think, the Texas area. He's he like, is. Yeah. Oh, I, oh. He, he's at Frisco Reed Yep, now. I was like, he's yeah. Frisco. Yep. He's, he's uh, DJ's like personal wide receiver trainer. He's been working with him the last few months. So, Obviously, a good guy to be working with. Um, so I'm, I'm really – that's kind of the guy that I've circled is, is maybe he can be a dude. And what's funny is he was a guy I circled for the portal. You know, yeah. you, you make that type of move in the middle of the season, and then it's like, you know what? If I want a real fresh start, it's not going to be – I mean, we were well, just – Remember how he walked up the tunnel in Lubbock? And that, like, everybody thought, well, there it is. That's going to be the final kind of sayonara for you. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, you, you've you decided. You know, it wasn't the coaches that moved you. You decided, I'm moving to this position because my heart's not in it where I'm at at this moment. That sometimes just okay, well, here's the door. You know, go ahead and we'll try to help you find another spot. But we wanted you here, and now you want to go here. 
that's not going to work for us. So I was, but then you know you get to January, it's like okay, he's not hitting the portal. Let's let's see what you know what he can do. And to your point, George, we we were all there at the OU on on campus camp where he got the yeah. offer. He was he at had receiver, the, the one handed grab. He was at receiver the, the entire the evening, and then he goes, yeah, Kerry Cooks just offered me. I'm like, what? <laughs> You were a receiver the entire night. Yeah, he's he's been awesome, and you know, I at least off the field and talking to the media and things like that. And he, he had a good run at the cornerback position, but I am like slightly intrigued to see what he brings to the wide receiver position. That obviously is going to have a lot of uh, uh, spots to fill. I mean, obviously, you know, I I say a lot of spots. I know they only played three a year ago, seemingly, but. Uh, you have big shoes to fill when you lose somebody like Marvin Mims. I, I, I thought the two freshmen looked, I, well, I guess freshmen in terms of they'll be sophomores in a year. Well, I guess one will be a retro freshman. I thought Nick Anderson looks really good, just on the hoof. Who knows what he's going to bring once he gets onto the field, but him and Jaden Gibson both physically look different, obviously, than those other guys out well, there. And and for me, like, I try to think back to, obviously, you know, when, when CD was here, you know, do, do, do any guys look like that? Because you would walk out there and you watch CD and you're like, okay, that's that's, an that's what you want. Yeah. And I, it look, the, the frame of Nick Anderson and, and Jaden Gibson is there. You know, I think that both those guys have probably put on a little bit of weight from a year ago. Uh, what can they do this summer? But both those guys, like you said, Eddie, look like athletes that, that can, can contribute. And so that's what's going to be interesting is, and, and I know the spring game is nothing, but can one of those guys go out there and make a play and, and you'll make some catches? Because there, I think every single one of those guys is going to have an opportunity at some point, either it's this spring or early in the next season, to make plays. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see you know who goes out there first. But uh, And one guy I failed to mention earlier, Andrew Anthony, it seems like he is a guy that's going to get plenty of opportunities um, you know, he's also out there returning punts, which I don't know if he did that at Michigan, uh, but I thought it was interesting that he was in that group along with J.J. Hester, Billy Bowman, and, and Drake Stoops. So, uh, yeah, that, that to me is the most intriguing spot right now this spring is, is who can solidify themselves as an actual contributor. Well, unfortunately for Oklahoma, the first thing is uh, first things first, you got to be able to force the punter onto the field for the opposition. So maybe it doesn't matter who's going to be returning punts quite soon. Uh, the one thing that I did walk away from on Monday night when we talked to Brandon Hall was the fact that it, this is a safety position that, you know, obviously has been through it, I guess is <laughs> probably, is that the easiest <laughs> yes, way to say it? it. They've been yes. through it over the last couple of years. It is interesting to me, though, that you look over there and, you know, obviously with the addition of Reggie Pearson, the unfortunate situation with, you know, Peyton Bowen, who was out, you know, not at practice. And we've talked, we've, I guess, covered that somewhat on the board and you know obviously a tragedy that yeah yeah that that has hit his family uh it is a position that i feel like is i don't want to say close because i don't want to give anybody ptsd but it feels like it's moving in the right direction when you hear brandon hall being able to talk about five six guys at a position that really you only need two bodies it seems like that is moving in a positive direction in which it's not going to be a detriment of the defense. It's not going to be a negative when you look at that just position overall. And it's five or six guys that people would agree with. Instead, sure. instead of saying, really, really, you're yeah. going to tell me that's one yeah. of the guys that's going to help. I mean, you can just see the comfort level, you know. With I think that, Billy with, Bowman looks yeah, great. Billy right Bowman. Like physically, that Key, guy. Key Lawrence, Rob, uh, 
Robert Spears Jennings, you got Pearson, like that's four right there. Can Peyton Bowen already make that type of leap? But yeah, I mean, those are guys you feel a heck of a lot more confident than compared to what we've seen in that position where you're, you're trying like to will it to have like this guy, he has to be good for us. Instead, you're like, we know these guys are going to show up. Well, and it feels like, you know, talking to Robert Spears Jennings the other day, they also are aware of where they weren't great at last year. I think somebody asked him, you know, where where did you guys need to improve the most? And he said, fitting run gaps. And if you go and watch the oh film boy. from last year, and you guys were obviously there, it, it was clear that at times the safeties were very bad at coming up and filling the run. And, and Billy Bowman was really good at it at times. And, and you know, obviously he's been – the biggest thing with Billy, he's got to stay healthy. I mean, because when he's on the field, he's good. Uh, he's really good. But – if he can stay healthy, he's good at that. But for them to understand, like, yeah, we're not filling gaps very well, uh, I think is a, is a good sign. And then, again, physically, they, like, when I when I was here, it was, I think the starting safeties were, like, uh, Delarian Turner yell And Pat Fields. And Pat Fields. Yeah. And Robert Spears Jennings is, is much bigger than both of those guys. Um, you know, Billy Bowman, maybe not as tall, but physically he looks really good. So uh, even Harmon, I, I thought, looks really good out there. So... Reggie Pearson is a physical guy. Um, and then, you know, we haven't seen a ton of Peyton Bowen yet, but I think he's a guy that can push for a spot there once he gets back. Perhaps more than anything, I think it, there is just a certain level of comfort within the defense in entering the second season. I, I think that, you know, how much of that is going to play a part in helping a unit perform better than they did a year ago? I would think it's only natural to feel like they're going to make a step in the right direction. But uh, maybe if anything else, it's just a little bit more confidence within what they're being asked to do and what they're looking at and the, you know, diagnosing of things more quickly so you can get to the spot of what you, of where you need to be. Well, and I thought in, this goes back to my uh, Denver days, but I got to know Turner Yell pretty well. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking him in the locker room about, um, you know, playing in Grinch's scheme versus what they're doing with Venables. And he's like, man, what we did with Grinch was the simplest stuff. It was very basic. He's like, we only ran a couple different coverages. He goes, what they're doing with Brent is, he's like, it's it's confusing. And, and it he's like, it's going to take them time to figure out what they're doing. And I, I think Turner Yell is one of the smarter players that I've covered. But so for him to say that, I think that that's what that speaks to, Eddie, is you've got guys now kind of understanding what they're asking of them. And I think that, Eddie, I think you might have been the one that asked Robert that the other day about, uh, just feeling more comfortable yeah. in that safety position, how much they put on those guys back there. But I think as a defense as a whole, you know, one more year in the system, you have so many guys returning that played in it last year, went through uh, the ups and downs of it. I, I think that it's very clear that they're more comfortable in what they're doing schematically. Yeah, it's what Reggie Grimes mentioned, the word he said, it's review now. We're not learning it, it's review. And so that's helping all of us and it's helping us with the newcomers who perhaps you know need a little assistance but instead of we're all you know struggling and our heads are spinning we all now we have the foundation the guys that are back for the second year and he thinks it's showing off in a major way throughout the first couple first couple weeks of spring how much of that is just an excuse for what happened a year ago josh i mean do you buy into this idea that just the being more comfortable within the defense and obviously i think adding uh, you know, a number of contributors through the portal and or recruiting are, is going to help. I guess it maybe kind of all goes hand in hand as they continue to progress into the second season under Brent. 
Oh, I don't think there's any question it's real. Um, and I, it's not so much – and because, guys, you know, I mean, you listen to these guys talk about it, and they all say the same stuff. Like, it's not just, like, do I know what I'm doing? It's doing it in real time. Like, it, it's it's a – like, I'm not having to think about it. You know, you would see guys last year, and, you know, George kind of alluded to this, where it's just a step slow. They're just a, they're a half second behind, and it leaves a gap or it leaves a lane that shouldn't be there. And it's not like – the play wasn't called right or that they don't know what they're supposed to do. It's just a hesitancy to do or, you know, to react instead of, you know, thinking about it, they're just running to the ball and they know I've got, you know, outside help here, or I've got a force inside, you know, they, they know where they're supposed to be in relationship to that running lane. So it's, it's just, it's little stuff that you would see the miss. And I, I think Billy Bowman is a really good example because I think even even when he came back after the TCU, after that injury he had against TCU, he didn't look the same to me. Like the 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 run fits. He like you saw a couple of times. I think it was I think it was in the Nebraska game where it looked like Nebraska was going to pop a pretty good sized run, and then Billy was right there to sweep it up. Like it was like ten yards instead of fifteen, twenty, whatever you know may happen down the field, and that was big. And then you look at it as the season wore on. And it was just this thing where time and time again, that Baylor game is a perfect example where Squirrel Williams just goes crazy. Like they didn't have that guy that could limit it. You know, like you're going to have to come back. And, okay, sure, we gave up the first down, but we're not giving up four first downs. And that, to me, that is the biggest part. But I think um, I say that's the biggest part. And I, I think I was getting ahead of myself. What I think is the biggest thing is the depth. I, I think if you can develop that, you can rotate. Like we talked about Kobe McKenzie. If he can give Danny Stutzman or Jaron Kanick or whoever the starting two linebackers are, if he can give them 10, 15 snaps a game or that he's playing at a pretty good level and let those guys catch their breath, get a little water, whatever it may be, and you don't have your play fall off dramatically – that's going to be huge for this defense because then Danny Stutzman in the third and fourth quarter is not gassed and almost dead on his feet and trying to play like he did in the first quarter. So I, I think, to me, that's where it's going to be the biggest deal. But again, it for me, it all comes back to the defensive line. Like, what are they going to get out of that group? And I think that will tell you how far this defense can take, you know, take this level of improvement, I guess. You know, I we haven't spent a whole lot of time with that defensive end, defensive tackle group, just because it's kind of hard to get over into that area where they are at practice. But, I, I mean, just from, like, standing there and looking afar, Derek LeBlanc looks incredible. He really does. In a, in a, in a uniform. I, you know, how much can he actually add and how much can he actually contribute as a freshman? Who knows? I mean, they have a bunch of guys that are coming back, and, you know, the defensive end position is going to be certainly – interesting as far as the way that that's able to be worked out you would think that uh bothroyd is going to be kind of the leader of the pack along reggie grimes or ethan downs uh you know trace ford obviously it's going to be interesting just because he's not going to be able to be a full participant in spring can he stay healthy through the first part of the camp uh you know once they reconvene in august uh it's it's at the very least interesting and then obviously you know i i think anybody that walks out there sees P.J. Adebora, it's like, yeah, that o Oklahoma hasn't had a body like that in a long, he's, long time. He's different, man. Like, that kid, like, just running around, you're like, who is that? Like, he just... Uh, and I he, don't know who that is, but I know they need more of them. Why is it 34? Right. <laughs> and the, what's crazy is I think he's only... He's a single digi. Yeah. He, he's only 18. You know, it's yeah. like, this guy can could probably put on more weight if they wanted to, or they could take some... I mean, they could do so many different things with him. 
Um, but I was while you guys were talking about you know the the you know improving each year under Brent defensively, I was looking up the stats, and I think this is out there somewhere. But uh, his first year at Clemson, they ranked 63rd in total defense, and total defense is obviously not the end all be all defensive stat. His second year, they jumped to 25th, and then his third year, they were first in the country in total defense. So uh, he's shown improvement before, and, and I would expect them to make that leap. And that's not to say I didn't think the defense was just terrible last year. Um, you know, I thought but that's that, the thing. I think that was the most frustrating thing at times was like we would come in here after games or we would do the unofficial 40 during the midweek, and it's like they played really well on first and second down. They couldn't get off the field on Evan third and 13 or third and 18. Like how many freaking opportunities well, do you – having to censor myself how many opportunities can you give a really good offense and Oklahoma kind of found out the hard way a year ago and I think they just they just need more guys that and this sounds so simple but they just need more guys to come in and make those big plays those game-changing plays it didn't feel like they had those guys last year you need a Danny Stutzman you know interception like you had against Iowa State right like you need more of those type of plays can a Desan McCulloch be that guy that that can kind of be that that hybrid rush end and linebacker safety, whatever the heck they're going to do with him. Can he make some plays? Can some guys on the back end go up and, and make some interceptions? Um, you know, can can a Bothroyd come around the edge and get more sacks? Like, that was one thing last year. It felt like they never really got after the quarterback. No, not after the non-conference. Non-conference, you thought Reggie Grimes was going right. to live in the backfield, and then nope. And, and again, it, it, it's just, uh, you know, I, that's where I think that, They've gotten better. Obviously, they're going to feel more comfortable, those guys that are back. But the additions on the defensive side of the ball, you're, you're upgrading from where they were last year. You're getting some guys. I mean, you're, uh, Deshaun White was a nice player last year, but you're getting better at that spot. You know, Justin Broyles has been around forever. And I'm not going to bring him up a ton, but you got better at that spot, right? Uh, you got better on the edge. You know, you, you think that you maybe got better at middle linebacker uh, with with Canick and and you know Kobe McKenzie those guys so uh, that's where I think that you want to see that and, and some of those guys step into those roles. I think they're going to be a top ten defense. I don't know about you guys, but no, I, I'm, yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah, uh, but it is kind of exciting to see there is a there is a transformation as far as body style that I think anybody that has seen Oklahoma play over the last couple of years. It doesn't take long to look at that and see that happening there. It's just, it, it sucks in a way that you're not going to be able to get answers for, goddamn, like six months. Yeah. Like, seriously. That's like, what I'm saying. Everybody it, looks good in the it's, spring. It's a wait yep. and see with a, lot of, with a lot of things right now on the defensive side of the football. But there is a core belief that they're going to be able to figure this thing out. Yeah. And I will say one thing, and, and Josh kind of hit this earlier, but the defensive line... They really don't have, and, and and maybe I'm wrong on this, but like usually Brent's defenses have that big, you know, nose guard in the middle. They really don't, they don't. have that guy. And I think Jordan Kelly and Isaiah Coe are, are nice players. Um, you know, and I, I think that they had nice years last year, and they can be, you know, quality players this year. But they don't have that really, um, you know, middle guy that can really be a run stopper. Maybe maybe that's what they think Hicks can be. I don't know. We haven't really talked. I, that's one guy I'm interested. Maybe we can talk to this spring um but because uh, obviously he's he's a massive human being maybe you put him there in the middle but that is one spot that i will say that they don't really have right now and that's and it's so hard to get it in the portal because yeah. you're not going to find elite guys at that position because they're going to hit nfl draft or something like that so you're 
got Devon Sears, you got Jacob Lacey, and we'll just kind of see where things roll from there. I I spent a lot of time watching Sears because that's who I think that's who they're grooming to sort of get to that spot, and we'll just see how how quickly he he takes to everything and how fast he can maybe help defense. One of the defensive linemen that we have talked about uh, or have talked to after one of the post practices was Isaiah Coe. Josh, what, what, what is an Isaiah Coe ceiling you think? I, you know, I, I will honestly say, I think he's one of the more undervalued guys on that defense. I think Isaiah Coe is a good player. Now, he has some physical limitations because he's not the six foot four, three hundred and twenty pound monster. You know, like like George was talking about that there there are there is a clear ceiling to his ability. But I think when he's on and he's active, he is disruptive. He's good with his hands. He can really get into pa- not not so much into passing lanes, but he can defeat a blocker one on one. If he if he'll you know if he plays a shade and he's over a guy's shoulder. He's really tough to beat because he has a nice first step. He is quick. Um, and I think he is one of those guys that you see a lot, uh, a lot strong. You see at the NFL level that are um, kind of almost specialist interior pass rushers. Like they are, they come in on third down. They're there to provide some rush. They, they do a nice job creating some push in the middle of that pocket. And I think Coe is one of those kind of guys. Now, Obviously, in the situation he's in, he's got to play a lot more than that. He's got to be more than that um, for Oklahoma. So I think that's going to be really interesting. And something, guys, that as we were sitting here talking about it, and I've kind of been thinking about this kind of along this line lately, is I'm starting to wonder, you know, when we would hear things in the last few years, you know, kind of prior to Venables' arrival, oh, the, the defensive line really looks like it's coming together. And... You know, you wonder how much, you know, like I, I'm trying to figure out where the, and I'm having trouble putting my whole thought here into words, so I apologize, but there is some line between where the offensive line and defensive line and the way they were, way, the way strength training was applied to those two positions, how it impacted their style of play, like how physical they were, how much they could do that. And I think in practice at times it almost allowed some false, uh, reality, false narratives to become you know, almost accepted as facts. Like, with the defensive line, oh, they're really coming along. They're very physical. Well, was it that, or had the offensive line and defensive line both gotten a little too lean, and they weren't quite as big and powerful as you were, you know, the this, the teams we'd seen in the early 2000s, the later 2000s, and all these great groups up front, both offensively and defensively, I think we fooled ourselves at times, and I wonder if now you guys talking about these body types starting to change, if that's what you're starting to see as well, is these guys are maybe not superstar talents, but they are more physically able to deal with the rigors day in and day out of these other teams that, you know, like Iowa State that want to hit you in the mouth over and over again, or Kansas State that is just weight room monsters that are just constant overachievers on their offensive line. Do you start getting some of these defensive linemen that are a little more physically ready to deal with what they've seen? I wonder what the, uh, I wonder what like somebody like a Schmitty would think about if you got them onto prime shrimp, they, all they would have to do is go to prime shrimp.com. You could check out the French quarter Alfredo shrimp. Maybe if you wanted to go to the, uh, the sugar bowl, possibly lemon cracked pepper shrimp, garlic herb, butter shrimp, New Orleans-style barbecue shrimp. Which one is is a uh, Bequestian family favorite? Which one have you guys tried? 
Eddie, it is unbelievably amazing that you have teed me up in this way. I got clearance from Tiffany this week oh. to say that she is a signature addition. That That is her. She's like, I really like that. We've had that a couple times the last two or three weeks just as like a quick dinner for us. Um, you know, got Eddie, you'll, you'll empathize with this because I know you know this life. We've got to get kids to a dance class. Or That's we've got right. to get kids to gymnastics. That's like, right. we we got to eat dinner fast. And, you know, you know how that is. So uh, we've got to do those kind of things. And she was – we were literally sitting in the kitchen eating the other night, and she goes, you can say this on the pod because I'm constantly being told things I cannot mention on the pod. But – you can tell the world that signature is my style and that's the one I like. So guys, you know, if, if the missus just doesn't dig on some of the stuff you like, maybe give this a try. Tiffany is fairly discerning and she seems to like this one from prime shrimp. All you need to do is go to prime shrimp.com promo code U 40. That is prime shrimp.com promo code U 40, 25% off an entire order of $50 or more. And, uh, we thank you. Prime shrimp, as always. That's two down. Two down. <laughs> two, two down. One more to go. We'll, we'll fit that in at some point. Uh, you know, and and if Tiffany wants to come on and share her thoughts on COVID, uh, that is more than more than acceptable. Oh God, I I would love like Tiffany long ago stopped listening to the podcast. The idea of her hearing your thoughts on COVID, I just I can't even. <laughs> Because well, Tiffany they all derive so- from the same place, and it starts with a Q, and it, you can find it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I would say Tiffany has many strengths. She is smarter than I am. She is better than me in so many ways. Her sarcasm detection is not one of her stronger talents in this world, and I I, I feel like she would be about three sentences deep and screaming at Eddie before she realized Eddie was just <laughs> like, I'm like, no, no. But I wouldn't warn her because, you know, I'm a bad husband and would just love to watch her just go nuclear before uh, before she can calm down. Well, I'm sure all of this was in between, uh, you know, all of the coverage that came out from uh, last weekend in Norman with uh, Future Freaks. Obviously, that was a big event. Uh, maybe the most guys at one time that Oklahoma has had in Norman, certainly under the Brent Venables oh, era, yeah. right? In just one weekend. But it seemed like a lot of it was a success. Obviously, got a 2024 commitment. Uh, where do you guys want to go with the future freaks and then slash a, I thought, somewhat of a shock on Saturday evening as George and I are sitting there watching Final Four games? It's like, there's a commitment. It's like, oh, Okay. Well, I was I was putting Pearl down. I was like, what? There's there's a commitment. All right, <laughs> let's go ahead and get to it then. Were Were you surprised if it's Newcomb that ends up being the first first person? Yes, I I think if that had been uh, if if I would have had that choice on my bingo card, my my bingo would not have come in that night. That was it was something I had heard um, about. 24 hours before he was coming in, hey, you know, keep an eye on this guy. I think Oklahoma's in really good shape here. And I thought, okay. But it didn't sound like, oh, Oklahoma's expecting a commitment. Like that That's not what I gathered from it. And then, like, all of a sudden you start hearing stuff, and you're like, oh, okay, this is, this is more real. And then he makes the announcement on Saturday, and, I mean, it is – you know, it's so funny because people always ask me, you know, usually in November or December of the the 
prior year, who's going to be the first commitment for 2024? I don't think I've ever gotten that right in the history of the world. Like, I don't think I've ever been accurate on who the first guy was because it's always something like this. Like, you go back to Ronnell Lewis years ago, who nobody knew about in Dewar, Oklahoma, playing eight-man football. Like, and then all of a sudden, he's the first guy. Like, there's all these things that make sense, and then inevitably, it's just some guy, Jeremiah Newcomb from Arizona, whose father played at Nebraska. You you would think, like, with all that Matt Rule's got going on mm-hmm. and all that they've done, like, it would make all the sense in the world for him to be, like, at the very least, going to give Nebraska a long look. But I think Jay Valai just got in there early, did a very good job, and he is – I mean, you watch him on tape. This is a long, athletic guy, exactly the kind of corner that Brent loves – triggers really fast very aggressive when he comes downhill and on top of all that i mean you watch him he's returning punts he's he's just a good athlete this is a this is a rivals 250 corner that OU just got and guys to tell you how far it's come in the last 18 months of recruiting it kind of got treated like oh yeah that's great like do you <laughs> yeah. know what a rivals 250 defender used to mean like that changed the world for a while there <laughs> no kidding i I didn't even think about it that way. As far as uh, the future freak stuff, I, I mean, there's just so many guys. It, it's hard to just say that the weekend was a smashing success when, I don't know, it, it, does it feel like, would it be inaccurate to say that you expected more to come out of it? Or is kind of this what this is nowadays? It's like, guys are going to take visits. Guys are going to go through the process. It's more about... Uh, you know, and, and particularly for this staff, is it more about the relationships that you're building and getting guys to come on campus and getting them to uh, continue to return like a David Snowd or somebody like that, and especially some of these big dogs that are going to be in the 24 class? Oh, I think it's absolutely – this was about relationships because you look at it, guys. They had, I think, four, like 13 or 14 2024 guys. I'm trying to do the math real quick as I count here. Uh, about 13 guys from the 24 class that were on campus. Only like five of those guys had offers, and nobody picked up one over the weekend. Um, unless I could, I think there were only two. There was Jamarian Parker and the um, the Autry kid. Um, I guess now let me now that I say that Isaiah Autry is he twenty four? I'm going. I'm losing my mind. Yeah, yeah. So you had one twenty four guy, Isaiah Autry, uh, the cousin of Marcus Dupree, another kid from Mississippi. Uh, he picks up an offer. So there wasn't ever going to be a lot of action just because um, that's not the way Brent recruits. I mean, we've talked about it over and over again. Like people just have to come to accept the policy. If you are going to be so deliberate about, we're not going to, we don't want you to commit unless you are done with the recruiting process. There's kids that are just not going to commit. I mean, like if, if you're going to be that sincere about it, there's going to be guys that want to commit. They think they're ready to, but they're not ready to say, I'm not talking to any other schools. I'm not doing anything else. And um, that's just not the way they're going to handle that. So it changes a lot. So, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it is that one of the things that I don't think people think about, like 25 and 26 guys come on campus. Sure. Oh, you seen film on all of these guys. They maybe even have seen them, you know, bumped into them at a school or something. But when you get all the guys in the same room, you get all the, you know, you get Dalen McCutcheon, Grayson Harris, Jaden Nickens, uh, Nickens, CJ Simon, Elijah Thomas, LaMason Walter, uh, uh, Waller, excuse me, all those guys on campus at the same time, you get to stand them next to each other. Like, oh, he's, 
like when he's amongst his peers, he's bigger than I thought he was. When he's amongst other guys like him, he's smaller than I thought he was. Like you can start having you can develop those kind of ideas like, okay, this is really the guy. This is the guy we want in 2025. This is the guy I want to focus on because now I've seen him. And while I thought he looked great when he was playing in, you know, nowhere, Texas, now that I see him amongst some other kids, I don't feel quite the same about him. So I I think that's one of those things where you do, you get a more clear idea and that's just one example, but it's, you get to, have some clearer thoughts about how you're evaluating these guys and what you want to base, you know, your hierarchy on. Because I know everybody thinks of it like in tiers, but I can guarantee you if I put true serum in any of those coaching staffs and asked, who's your number one guy, they know who their number one guy is every time. Josh, I think we go through this every visit weekend, so we're going to go do it again. Who visited over the weekend that now all of a sudden you feel completely different about where OU stands. I mean, Jeremiah Newcomb doesn't count, right? Like that that Correct. answer doesn't work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't uh, an easy one when I was, I was like, I don't know. Yeah, there I don't know that I have one that immediately screams at me. Um, but as I kind of look up and down the list, a guy that I think um probably hasn't gotten enough attention um, just being on campus. and His rating, I think, is kind of impacting the way people look at it. Uh, Terrence Edwards, the 2025 corner from Virginia, he's been out twice, uh, came out and camp. Uh, actually, he didn't camp. He came out for the um, – is that the barbecue, barbecue? late July? And late, yeah, yeah, he was mm-hmm. there at the barbecue and was another one, you know, that that weekend that eventually produced Colton Vosick and all these other commitments. Um, he loved it. And came out again this time and just was like, I can't wait to be back. I love everything about it. Like, I, it just feels like one of those guys that Brent Venables and that staff, like, quietly, it's kind of like, you know, we were just talking about with Jeremiah Newcomb. Nobody's paying attention to it. But I think they're in a really, really good spot for Terrence Edwards. So we'll have to kind of watch where that goes. Maybe, you know, and I know people will be like, oh, that's, you know, the three-star kid. I, I would ex- – when Brent Venables and those guys are after a guy this hard this early – it's probably worth considering maybe his ranking isn't on the nose just yet. And that's no shot at anybody. That's just, they see something maybe that others haven't seen yet. Um, another guy I would say maybe from a little more highly regarded, you know, a name that people are going to get excited about is Douglas Utu, the big offensive lineman from Bishop Gorman. Um, talk, he was, he's always been excited about Oklahoma. I think that offer meant a lot to him, but just talking to him after the weekend, there's no question. Like he is, fully in on Oklahoma. He will come back for another visit. Um, told, you know, like I was asking him something and I'm really meant more like, you know, how do you feel about Oklahoma, you know, within your recruitment? And I think he kind of read it as like, are you ready to commit to Oklahoma? And he goes, well, not quite yet, but I need to see, I need to look at, (laughs) you know, some other schools first. I'm like, yeah, I get it. You're, you know, you're, you're just finishing your sophomore year of high school. Totally fine. But like, that's kind of where his mind was. Like you could tell, like, I, I was really blown away with what I saw. And, you know, I think that was a thing that that shocked me. And I mean, we can get into this a little bit, too, if you want. But is how unanimous the reviews were. Like, I mean, everybody to a man was like, holy cow. Like, it was amazing. I can't wait to go back. Like, it, it was – and I've said this before about Brent Venable's visits, and it may just be they're this good at them. But there is absolutely a feeling of like, did they give you guys scripted lines? You're all talking about very similar things and saying them in similar ways. But I, I mean, 
I don't doubt the kid's sincerity at all. It's just amazing how much continuity there is from one conversation to the next. I would imagine just as, I don't know if the right words is like extensive uh, and maybe planned as far as like the way Brent like maps everything out. And, you know, obviously credit goes to uh, J.R. Sandlin and Lee Davis for, you know, kind of what they do in running the show behind the scenes. But I guess it's not that much of a surprise that there is so much that comes out of these types of weekends that you go, yeah, I could see why they presented themselves in a manner, whether it be through the Soul Mission program, things like that, that people would really kind of gravitate towards. Oh, yeah. I mean, guys, you've got over 40, 20, 25 guys there. And if you told me seven or eight of those guys end up as part of Oklahoma's class, I won't be surprised at all. And a lot of them, it is. They're talk. I mean, that I know some people, you know, and – I, I'm not going to ever fault anybody for being cynical because I'll, I'll live in that world myself. But like there was a lot of people that were like the soul program. What are we wasting energy on this for? And I, it resonates with these kids, man. Like it means a lot to a lot of these guys where they're talking about, you know, having somebody there that's going to be checking on them and making sure they're okay. And, you know, just, and, and they're, they understand like these kids are more aware than 10 years ago, probably five years ago, of how fragile, you know, in a, in a football sense, mental health can be like how, how quickly that stuff can, you know, move and, and, and how much it can damage you and your career if you're not paying mind to it. And I think that is something OU is very clear. Like we're going to look into that. We're going to make sure you're where you need to be both mentally, physically, you know, and, and obviously in, in a lot of these cases, spiritually, you know, you know, Brent's obviously very open with his religious beliefs. So I think that is um, something that I was like, I don't know if this plays, but man, and, I, and I'm not saying OU's doing it because it's a recruiting tool, because I think it's something Brent legitimately believes in. But there's no question from a recruiting perspective, it it hits with these kids. It really is a meaningful thing. And I, I would say... If I, I, I've, I probably talked to 40 visitors from the weekend and, you know, and to varying degrees, some very extensively, some just kind of, uh, superficially, but I, I would say half of them at least mentioned the soul program as one of the things that really stood out to them. And, um, you know, just talked about being around those guys and that staff and just getting a feeling like this is, um, this is something I really connect with. And I, I do want to say, because I thought it was, and it, maybe it's because I think it was something he told me just a couple days ago, uh, Tory Blaylock, the Rivals 100 running back from kind of uh, Atascacita, which is like North Houston, um, was talking, and I, he brought up something that I think we all know, but I'd never really heard a recruit acknowledge this as, as an interesting point. And he goes, all those guys played at OU. They're all from OU. Like, it tells me that's got to be a really good place because they all want to come back there and work there and be there and be around the campus. And I was like, huh. Like, you know, and I mean, his dad played in the NFL. Like, he's got kind of a unique perspective. But I was just like, that's not something I hear a lot of kids talk about. And it, I, I get where he's coming from. It's a, it's a very logical way to look at it. It's just not the kind of thing that these guys bring up. So, like I said, I, I thought there were a lot of – there was a lot of similarities, but at the same time, you could tell OU hit the right notes with several guys on a little more unique level. I think it's just like anything else, though. Like, if you are a part of something and 
you believe in it, obviously you're going, it's going to be an easier. And I don't even know if word, if, if sell is the right word, it's like, it's going to be easier to impress upon a kid. If you're a Curtis Lofton, why you want him to come to Oklahoma and be part of the program because you've been through it and you're from Kingfisher or, you know, whoever, you know, and even, you know, I, I would imagine everybody outside of Ryan Young is connected to the program in some manner uh, as far as, you know, having played as a former former player, obviously, or, uh, you know, being a part of the program. They better watch out, though, because the WWE is coming after Caleb Kelly. Kelly. I saw that. He's one of what, uh, like 50 guys 50, that have been invited? 50, yep. What's that for, Bob? WrestleMania is this weekend. So if you want to mute me, go ahead and mute me this weekend on, on Twitter, people. <laughs> WrestleMania Saturday. I already Sunday have night. you muted. The next step would be blocked, <laughs> sir. No, it, it, so it's a tryout to try to get – on to the Sunday night show? No, no. It's a try just to see if this is what you might want to pursue oh, okay. here okay. going forward. Yeah, uh, this is like the invitation to an invitation. Like, yes. You know, that, that kind of deal. I got you. Um, yep. I've what, never watched WWE. Guys, it, I, I, I I've never watched wrestling in my life. So, like, I, I live in a lot of the stereotypes. I'll fully own it. If I was going to guess, like, and I mean anywhere from the top, you know, from Brent Venables to the lowliest staffer and all the players and coaches in between – how, like, would Caleb Kelly have even ranked in the top, like, 50% of the possible, like, Caleb is so nice and soft-spoken and kind and funny, and, like, he doesn't have any of that, like, brash in-your-face mm-hmm. thing that I think of, and I'm like, what are they going to do with him? Like, like I, I mean, he's don't get me wrong, like, super athletic, you know, good-looking guy, like, I get all that stuff, and that's fine, but, like, I... It's a really weird thing to like. How do how do they build his character? I need a Ted Roof in the WWE. That'd be awesome. There uh, you go. I hate to break up the. Uh, <laughs> he just goes out and speaks motivationally. Put on that <laughs> leather that jacket. It's, it's over. Awesome. It's done. His finishing move is just putting him to sleep. Talking. He's like he's like pinning guys, but tell them like what a great job they're doing. Like that'd like be amazing. Like, really, no, Ted. I think man, Ted gets after it in practice. No, he does. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> I I. I think one of the most fun things, and it's it's a little bit of is because you get to see a little bit behind the scenes with Brent, but I love hanging out with that linebacker group at practice. Yes. It's fun to watch those well, guys and, uh, go through Skalski, everything. Skalski's oh, man, intense. dude. I, yeah. t- I edited, I was like, nope, I'm not putting that one on. What was he doing, <laughs> dropping F-bombs? Oh, he was. was he? Oh, yeah. Left and yeah. right. Uh, Josh, I just had one quick note or one quick question for you about this weekend. Uh, you, you wrote a little bit and woke about, you know, Emmett Jones is recruiting so many different wide receivers. Which of those guys maybe stand out? It feels like every week you add like three more to the group. And I also noticed too, just looking at their like measurables of these guys, they're all around the same size. It seems like he's kind of got a type here, 6'1", 6'2", 170, 180, somewhere in that range. Uh, And I wonder where that, like, uh, there's got to be some, because you know, I know in your story, I, you know, and I, for those that haven't gone and read Georgia's story, it's a yeah. really good look at, at Emmett Jones and where he comes from. And I, I thought that was a great, great story. Um, but with Emmett, like, there's that talk, you know, where he and Lebby have some familiarity with each other. And I thought that was really interesting because that, you know, they both, I mean, like, you look at, a lot of the guys that um, Emmett's had success with, including like the Jaron Brand- Bradley kid at Tech last year, was kind of an overlooked recruit. He brought him out to Lubbock and obviously had a great year. 
um, they both like size. They both like that bigger receiver. And it's interesting to me because you're right. A lot of these guys they're looking at are that six one six two. And I mean, you look at you know some of the old Miss and US, UCF uh, rosters that Jeff had. You're talking six three, six four. I mean, really big guys. And so I, I think it's kind of interesting to see what they're doing there. But I, I I wonder if there's been some marriage of style there. You know, obviously it's Lebby's, you know, it's his baby. He kind of makes the call. But, you know, obviously like any good staffer, they're going to work together and kind of come to what they like. I think the, the undeniable, um, you know, trait that these guys all share, they can all run. Like there, There's not a lot of possession receivers I'm seeing. Like these are – like Kobe Young, the kid that they brought in from Louisiana, I love that dude on tape. I don't think there's any way in hell they get him away from LSU, but I know they impressed him a lot this weekend, and he and I are supposed to talk here in the next 24 hours or so. Um, but they really are making a run at him. Um, I, you know, I think it all starts with Bryant Wesco. I think that's a huge, you know, probably their number one target. I think in. 24-7's updated rankings. He's like the number nine player in the country. I mean, like, they they ran him way up after that Under Armour camp that Eddie and I were at, and he was outstanding. The Zion Kearney kid, mm-hmm. I've had a chance to see a couple of times live uh, from uh, from Fort Bend uh, Hightower, um, is, a, is a guy I like a lot. I Just one of those guys that Jeremy Payne has kind of been the well-known guy because he's been very productive at running back for Hightower, and he's a very good player, don't get me wrong. They're very opposite, though, where Kearney is like 6'2", 200 pounds, and just all the physical stuff you're looking for at wide receiver, he's got all of it. He, he is just an outstanding talent, but hasn't been very productive because that offense hasn't always been a great vertical passing game. At the same time, Payne's been wildly productive, but he's 5'9", 175 pounds. He's a little undersized, so it's interesting to kind of that back and forth between those two guys and kind of where they are in the recruiting game. But um, I would say Wesco, Kearney, I really think they like the Xavier Jordan kid. But that guy, two days after being at Oklahoma, he was at Ohio State. USC's involved there. I mean, if OU goes and gets him, that's a that's a huge win for Emmett Jones. Um, and then obviously tomorrow they've got the Isaiah McMorris kid coming in from Bellevue West and Omaha that is a uh, – you talk about a big play guy. He brings a lot of that tape to the table – and kind of is the opposite of what we're talking about with with these guys with this tremendous size. I mean, he's like six foot one sixty five. Like he is a speed, you know, kind of want to get him in space kind of guy. And you you need that. I mean, it's something you hear pro scouts talk a lot about is is the almost having like a basketball team at wide receiver. You got your centers, your power forwards, your guards. You got your point guard. You know, and so it's just going to be a lot of different body types you can throw at them. So. Really long question is, I think there's a bunch of possibilities, but if you were going to say it, I would think Wesco, Kearney, and probably Jordan and Young would be the four that I think are kind of at the top. But at the same time, I want everybody to be very realistic. Jordan is going to be tough because anytime Brian Hartline and Ohio State's involved, that's a fight. And then secondarily is with Young, you, you just don't go into Louisiana and beat LSU very often. In terms of uh, guys that made it in just locally, any surprises? Anybody sneak in uh, through the back door into the Switzer Center over the weekend? 
Well, you know, as far as a guy that not definitely didn't sneak in, but Nate Roberts being able to spend more time, he was supposed to have a baseball tournament. Sure, it kind of. I, I think the. I think it ended up getting delayed. There was some reason, so he was like, "I'm going to have to leave at like noon." But then it ended up he got to pretty much stay through the whole, the whole get the whole spiel, and um, so I, I think that was big. You know, as Oklahoma kind of continues to work there, um, I. To be honest, I was a little surprised that Caden Jones, the you know Kiwan son, didn't pick up an offer. I really thought that might happen. Um, I know they don't like to rush to offers. I'm going to guess he'll show up at camp this summer, and then this whole thing will get remedied. Uh, he is a tremendously talented young guy, and we it's clear that Oklahoma under Brent Venables is going to focus on landing as much quality in-state talent as they think they can, you know, as the state will bear. So uh, I think that's gonna you know that will happen in some sort of short order but it wasn't like it wasn't a huge you know weekend for in-state guys uh obviously alex shield knight who we saw at that same under armor camp was there uh came away impressed i mean like i, I he's just such a you know kind of middle of the road guy like I, I feel like alex shield knight could be in a car crash and he'd just be like well, that was kind of intense and like just walks away. Like, I don't think he he just doesn't get wound up about a lot. So he is. Um, but, you know, again, continues to build that bond with Miguel Chavis. And um, I I like a lot of the headway they made in 2025. I I guess is the last guy I would say just to kind of keep the in-state theme going was C.J. Simon, the wide receiver from Moore. It feels like he's one of those guys that we're going to wait and wait and wait. And then I bet he eventually gets that offer, but it feels like he's going to have to fight for it a little bit, maybe go to camp, kind of go earn it, that kind of thing. Um, but he's, he's an explosive receiver that can, can stretch the field. And it's, you know, you could look you at what, could you really have ahead. three receivers from the 2025 class from within the state? Well, and it's just so scary. Cause like we're talking about 2024 and what that looks like 2025 You've got Elijah Thomas, C.J. Simon, Jaden Nickens, right. the two guys that were on campus from Texas, Grayson Harris and Dalen McCutcheon, who are both, you know, rivals 100-level guys. And then you, oh, and we haven't even brought up DeCorian Moore, the, maybe the number one wide receiver in the class. And he's big on Oklahoma. Like, they're going to have to uh, – I mean, I, I don't know if you just take, like, 15 receivers in the next two classes and call it good or what you do there, but there is – there is a lot of talent, and it's it's part of what George was talking about that isn't woke, where people are like, wow. Like, we knew Emmett Jones was going to be a problem in Oklahoma, but he's a bigger problem than we thought he was going to be. As far as, and real quick, just to kind of wrap this up, uh, a guy that maybe, I don't know about it on Oklahoma radar yet, but I, I noticed that he picked up a Tennessee offer yesterday was uh, another product out of Wagner, Oklahoma, and Whit Edwards. Uh, certainly an interesting body in the 2024 class. I keep waiting for that to pick up. I check in with Wood every once in a while. I mean, you know, he's another one of those guys, and I, I've, you know, it goes back to guys like Trace Ford uh, that I just kind of fall in love with early on. And I know, um, you know, there were some that I think had him in like the 40s or 50s in the state. And I'm like, I don't, like, and it, it's not like, oh, you're wrong. It's like, I may be missing something, but when I watch this kid, that dude should have, you know, a dozen power five offers. Like he's six, four and a half, 205 pounds, incredibly violent as a defender, has the athleticism and feet to play tight end. Um, 
the, I, I don't have a problem with him playing on either side of the ball. And he's one of those guys that I call, he's just a jumbo athlete because he could play a lot of different positions. He's got great length. He's got athleticism. And, I, you know, again, for Tennessee to offer, you're like, that that tells you something. I mean, that this guy is really good. And people are like, well, could Oklahoma really offer him and Cooper Alexander? And, you know, and then obviously there's the, you know, kind of, the situation out in California where Devon Mitchell, who's picked up some forecasts and crystal balls to Oklahoma this weekend, there's the talk of him reclassifying. Okay. In 2024. I was, was going to ask, cause that got really murky on Saturday and yeah, Sunday. <laughs> I, I expect that to happen. Like that was, that was the last he and I really talked about it. That was what I got. I mean, I don't want to say he came out and said it, but that was absolutely my expectation is he was going to reclassify to 2024 and he and Michael Hawkins are very close. They play on the same seven on seven team. You know, it's, I'm sure people saw some of the videos um, this weekend about, you know, them putting up some big numbers over in Austin. And it was, I, I mean, there, there is a very real chance if he's 2024 that Oklahoma lands him and then may have to pass on two legitimate power five prospects in their own state one of which is no you legacy that's that's going to be an interesting juggling match because i know brent venables doesn't want to let six foot four six foot five guys that can play leave the state i mean you just there's not enough of those in oklahoma to turn them away but at the same time devon mitchell's a future first round tight end type talent like and i'm maybe those guys are too i'm just saying you've seen devon mitchell on bigger stages and you really know what he can do and how, how special he is. And it's it, that there are some interesting decisions. And I, I think the, the nice thing for Oklahoma right now is, guys, we're talking about, they've got an abundance of choices at running back, wide receiver, tight end, and they're going to have to make some tough calls. <laughs> right now, the tight end position isn't probably the easiest thing to talk about in Norman with uh, Caden Helms and Jason Llewellyn out. We talked to Joe John Finley, uh, you know, on Tuesday or uh, excuse me, on Monday, just as far as kind of what that position is. And it's really it's Austin Stogner and then a walk on that I had never literally I'd literally never, never heard, heard of, of. <laughs> uh, the Josh. Uh, what, 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 I don't even know the guy's last name. Finuli? Finale. Finuli. They also moved uh, Hayden, Hayden, Bray. Bray. Hayden Bray over to tight <laughs> yeah, end. Tight yeah, ends. exactly. I mean, that's that's the line of questioning we had to go with Joe John when you don't have Caden. It was mostly just all Stogner. <laughs> yeah, it was basically uh, how's Stog doing? Uh, yeah, there weren't any Blake uh, Blake Smith questions. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but he has a blue jersey on. He does. does blue he? jersey. So, yes, yeah, he so. does. He does. Not yeah. good. He's banged up. Not good. Not good at that position. Not a whole lot of options. There are a whole lot of options at Dead Soxy though. And especially during this time of the year, uh, you know, I, I got shorts on today. The weather's nice outside, uh, low 70s here in uh, Oklahoma City and slash Norman. So uh, head over to Dead Soxy. Uh, always a longtime sponsor. 25% off an entire order. Promo code SCOOP, S-C-O-O-P. Promo code SCOOP, Dead Soxy. You know, they have everything that you would need from a, a footwear category. So... I'm a big uh, no-show guy. I know that George, you, too. You, have you tried them out so far? I'm, I'm wearing them. You're wearing them right, right now? now with my uh, Jordan Lowe's on, and they're Good. they're awesome. They fit Good. perfectly. My brother has the uh, uh, Maker Bayfield ones. Loves those. They can go with just about anything. So those are those uh, are for the performance artists out there that yes. dress up every day. Yeah, he, you know he's a. Big, we're not we're not into that. He's uh, a cor- he's in the corporate world now, and so he has to wear nice socks to work. But uh, but yeah, they're. 
the most comfortable socks I've owned. Deadsoxy.com. Check them out. Promo code SCOOP. That's three for three. Thank you. Woo. We almost, we somewhat got through it. Uh, well, I guess all that there is left is uh, Pro Day coming up on Thursday in Norman. I, we'll obviously be talking with, uh, I, we maybe Brent Venables on Wednesday night after practice. We're really not sure so far uh, as far as kind of what that's going to be. And we don't know. I have a clue. We know we'll get players and coaches. Sure. We don't know who at all. Sure. At this we point. Talked to uh, Dylan Gabriel last week. I mean, I, I don't think that there's a whole lot to wrap up there just as far as uh, we talked to him uh, last Thursday. It was the night that it was raining. OU was in the indoor facility. Uh, but, you know, I, spring football is what it is. It's good to get out there. It's good to kind of see him mix it up a little bit, uh, to sit here and make bold proclamations about what this 2024 season is going to be, or uh, 2023 season, rather, uh, would probably be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. But uh, we'll see. I, I'm excited. Uh, for the spring game coming up. It's going to be a big production. We'll have some stuff that I think that uh, we'll probably be able to announce once that gets closer with some of the alumni that are coming back into town. Uh, and I think that that's going to be exciting. So, uh, you know, it'll be cool. It'll be cool to get back uh, with everybody, mix it up with them, and uh, we shall see. Pro Day, as far as uh, – there's really not a whole lot to get out no. of Pro Day. I'm going to be honest. I, uh, I want to sit here and say that I, I have fun with it, but – if, if you don't have, like, a big-time skill position player or if you don't have a quarterback, like, you know, Sam's was awesome, Kyler's was awesome, Baker's was awesome. Yep. Uh, to a certain extent, Landry Jones, seeing him get chased around by George Whitfield was kind of fun. But I don't get a whole lot of pro day. I, I don't. I guess it just matters who shows up and what they do. Yeah. Are they just showing up to show up right. and have meetings, or will they go through stuff? Well, and there's a couple guys that – you know, a Deshaun White, for right. example, yeah. could he have a, a Jordan Evans type day mm-hmm. and, and get himself drafted? You know, we didn't get to see Eric Gray or Braden Willis run the forty at the combine. I, I would assume they'll. Run. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I, if they don't run at the combine, they typically run at pro day. Uh, so it, those sorts of things are, are what you'll be looking for. But like Anton Harrison. He had a great combine. Like, I don't expect him to do a whole lot. Maybe he'll go through Please, some. Say hi. Yeah, maybe he'll do some O-line drills, things like that. Um, you know, Marvin Mims, I'm sure he'll go out there and catch some balls. But uh, it's definitely not the same as, you know, previous years when you've, you've got a, you know, a guy that might be the number one overall pick or at least is, is throwing the ball around. Um, you know, so it, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. I like Pro Day. I don't mind it going over there. Yeah. Usually a lot of, a lot of the players are hanging out. I would assume uh, that like somebody like out. an Anton Harrison's probably not doing a whole lot tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's what. That's and what, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe he doesn't even come back. I, I really don't yeah. know. I some most of the time, most of those guys are back in town just to hang out with their. Well, friends. and a Absolutely. lot of the, a lot of pro day is, uh, you know, usually uh, uh, the team uh, every team sends somebody in the NFL and they come and they meet with all the players, and so that's what that's all day, it is. It's, yep. it's a big meeting day too. They go out and meet places and stuff like that. So. We'll see. I'm sure it won't. I don't think it'll be too eventful. But as soon as I say that, it'll be the most eventful pro day. Something crazy will happen. I don't know what that would be. But what did Eric Gray not do? He didn't run the forty. He didn't run, run the forty. 40. That's right. That's, we had why, our, that's our competition, and we never. Yeah, that's right. We don't know that's who right. the is. Carrie had him running like a six three or whatever it <laughs> <Yeah>. was. <laughs> Willis too. Willis didn't run the forty either, and I'm interested. I'm interested in his. Josh, do you have any interest in the happenings of Pro Day tomorrow in Norman? Oh, you know, and sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm going to contribute a little bit more. I had some uh, 
I had a five-year-old come home right in the middle of that whole discussion, so I was uh, dealing with a wiggly tooth. A uh, lot, lot happening in my world. We can pull that. Let's sure get it up on Facebook mm-hmm. Live. We'll we'll go ahead and pull that. Make sure that uh, tell her that the tooth fairy is now dropping off 150 bucks under the pillow these days. They, oh, yeah. The um, I will. I, that the uh, the fairy will have to pay probably about twenty dollars, I would guess, on the uh, first go around, because on my first child uh, didn't have any um, any other dollar bills around the house, so there was a very large payday for the very first tooth. That was not the plan. So everybody out there like, oh my god, Josh is spoiling his kids. That was a total accident, just the way it played. And I remember thinking at the time, oh god, I'm gonna have to pay forty dollars in first teeth. So this is, uh, the, you know, I'm about to have my time of life. But the neighborhood um, parents are gonna hate you. You just yes, <laughs> raised yes. everything well, up. <laughs> that really works better for me, Bob. There's less talking in the front yard, like while I'm out doing, you know, I'm mowing. I don't want to talk to you. Like just leave me alone. I, I'm good here. So. Um, but no, uh, as far as you know, stuff I'm interested in. I mean, and I, I'm again, I'm forgive me. I'm sure you guys probably brought this up, but for me, it's about the '40s for Braden and Eric. I want to see what they run. I think that is that is the difference, especially in Eric Gray's case. I could see a world where if Eric Gray could rip a low four-five, where Eric Gray could sneak into the back of the second round. Like I don't think he will, but I could see the case for that. Um, if he goes and runs more like I think he will, probably four six two, something like that. I, I I mean, there's still value there, but I think you're talking about mid fourth round kind of. I mean, like, I, and that's I, I hate that that tenth of a second could mean that much, but it's just being a smaller back. He's got to bring most of those guys have to bring speed to the table, or you know, just something very unique. And I think Eric's a really good player. But I don't know that he has a calling card if he, that can kind of make up for his speed as, you know, league average. Yeah, and I'm just – like running back is such an interesting position in the NFL too because – and you could even say this about almost any position, but really running back, it largely – your success in the NFL sometimes largely depends on uh, where you end up going. Like, if, for example, Kennedy Brooks, who I thought was, you know, obviously really good in college, he ends up – where is he? The Eagles now? If is if he he's still there? Yeah, if if he's still there. Uh, I mean, he didn't even get drafted. Ends up on the Eagles. Last I saw, he was on practice squad. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, but he ends up behind you know three different guys and never gets a shot. Where you know if Eric Gray gets drafted to, um, you know I don't know the Bengals who need a running back. Um, because some, I thought that they were getting Zeke. I thought that they uh, they he floated. They? No, I don't think uh, so. I think he. he was in I the, thought Zeke's in people flew. Yeah, they floated it out there, and then they asked uh, Zach Robinson or uh, Zach Robinson, uh, Zach Taylor about it, and he's like, "That's the first time I've ever heard of it. I I don't know what you're talking about." Basically, I think was the uh, the TLDR there. I didn't see that, uh, but but I mean, like it, you know, it's all about opportunities, and I think if Eric gets an opportunity, he could he could be a, a nice a nice player in the NFL. So. Um, same with Marvin Mims. Like I think Marvin Mims could end up being a really good yes. draft pick for a team if he ends up going to the right place. Right, uh, he can end up being a, a real guy uh, for a while. We'll talk about it once it gets closer to the draft. But you know, with what Marv was able to do and what he ran up in Indianapolis, uh, you know, granted he has a good workout tomorrow. I imagine like he's one of those perfect fits of guys that it's almost kind of a good thing that he's not going to go super super early. 
and maybe somebody will jump up and grab him and then he fits into a role where he automatically steps into not necessarily having to be the guy but he can be a guy on a winning team sure right because he won't right. be in the top 10 picks he kind of reminds well, me guys, of a, oh go ahead josh oh i, I was just gonna say like i heard a comp for him the other day that i really liked emmanuel sanders played for the steelers yes. forever played yep. with the, like broncos like whole thing like he was uh, something bucky brooks was like i really like his game kind of next to a marvin mims type of guy and i was like that i really like that and i think it makes a lot of sense with marvin as a player uh, that vertical stretch ability. But I, again, I, you know, and I know we talked about this uh, after the combine where there was all the, you know, comments about his route tree and what does he run and that kind of stuff. And I, I think Marvin Mims is a much more refined receiver than a lot of people think he is just because he has speed. I think people tend to think, oh, that's his only way to win. And I don't think that at all. I've seen Marvin make tough contested catches. Now he's dropped some at times, but you look at that Texas game in 21 where he was just making some unbelievable catches. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I was going to say, uh, I don't know about style of play, but in terms of a guy that could land somewhere that um, can contribute. I remember, was it Tylen Wallace for Oklahoma State a few years ago that everybody thought he was going to be an early draft pick. He drops to like the middle rounds and ends up with the Ravens. And he hasn't done much because I think he ended up with a team that they just don't use a ton of receivers, uh, which is interesting right now with Lamar Jackson, but that kind of a player where maybe he drops to the fourth round and you don't think much of it, but he ends up being a, a nice player in the league. So um, it's going to be interesting. And also I, it's going to be interesting too, to, to see what Anton Harrison thinks. I mean, he's really jumped up some draft boards. I mean, he could be a first round pick. Uh, I know there's some people out there that think he I, could be the first tackle taken. I certainly haven't been keeping it up, uh, you know, up to date on it as probably as close to some of a lot of other people, but it, I would almost be surprised if he wasn't in the first round or at least on the back end of that first round at some point. Yeah. Well, and there's just a lot of teams that, I mean, that's the NFL these, this, these days is you need, you need tackles, you need offensive linemen. And uh, he seems like a pretty consistent player there. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him go early in the first round either. Uh, if you can get him in the second round, I, that that's is steal to me. That's unbelievable value. <laughs> like yeah. that's a guy the, the 30, you know, they're starting the second night. I, like, I'm not even, I'm just running that pickup, like, as quick as I can because you shouldn't, I, I know, um, I was just kind of looking here. Jordan Reed's got him to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at pick 19. I think that's pretty good value. And you look at him, you know, play opposite of Tristan Wirfs. I mean, that's a, that's a solid little combo. Now, <laughs> like, unfortunately for him as a rookie, they're going to, the opposing defenses are going to throw everything at his side of the line of scrimmage because Wirfs is just an absolute monster. So, um, but that'll, like I said, there's, um, I, I just, I don't see how you pass on a guy with that sort of size. And knowing that, like, as good as Anton's been, he can be better. Like, there's still so much room for him to grow and be a better player and become more than he has been. Is is there a definitive tackle in this draft? Like, a, is it the kid from Ohio State that's like the top? I, I know a lot of people are really excited about him. I I I don't know. I don't know What's that he name? moves like one of those elite top ten type tackles. The guy I love is the Darnell Wright kid from Tennessee. Like, I don't, guys. I think he ran something like. 5.09 at like 330 pounds at the combine. Like, I mean, he's a freak athlete. And then, you know, just to add in his size, all, he's played a ton of football. Um, you know, uh, reading, he started 42 games at Tennessee. Like there is 
a ton to like about him. And of all the guys in that group, he's the one I like the most. I know that there's a lot of people that like the kid, you know, like you mentioned from Ohio State. There's the kid from Northwestern, uh, the Skaronsky kid. A little bit short-armed for me. I, I worry a little bit about his reach. And then, obviously, there's Broderick Jones from Georgia, who's another good player, kind of like Wright, and just kind of a physical freak. But I just don't think he's played as much football as Wright has. And I think on, with Wright, you know, you look at the growth of that offense the last two years under Heupel, and that stuff gets a lot easier when you've got a guy that can set the edge against anybody. Paris Johnson's I, the yes, Ohio State kid that mm-hmm. you're probably yeah. thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess the kid from uh, North Dakota State, right? The mock kid that was kind of a senior bowl sensation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's aesthetically, it, he looks the best out of all of them. Oh, he he is a outstanding player. There's a lot of thought that he is going to have to slide inside. Sure. And I think that hurts his value a little bit. What you know, guys? The craziest thing though is that the Paris Johnson kid we're talking about, who's like six six three twenty at Ohio State. And is the little guy of the Ohio State offensive lineman. The Dewan Jones kid is like, he's bigger than Orlando Brown. He came in at 6'8, 374 at the combine. Like, holy crap. That that's not that's not like at the rate we're going, we're gonna get to a four hundred pound offensive tackle that somehow can still move his feet. Like it like it feels like that shouldn't structurally be possible in the human body, but like we're trending in that direction. And it's just wild to see. But, um, you know, yeah, I think it's it's a really good class of offensive linemen from, like, pick 17 down. But I don't know that there's a lot of those, you know, Orla- I don't think there's an Orlando pace in this group that's going to be your left tackle for the next 15 years and you don't even have to think about it. Just a quick, like, just search of offensive tackle, uh, oh, I guess power rankings going into the NFL draft. It seems like Anton is basically bumping between three and four. For yeah. just about yeah. everybody. I, I think that's fair. I, I guess Wanye can slide into this, the back end. What were you going to say? No, just real quickly is, uh, guys, more and more we're seeing PJ's older brother mocked yeah. in the first. Oh, yeah. That's happening mm-hmm. more and more now. So, out of the Timawa? I don't I don't know how I say that. I'm not going to get that right. But um, that's why I call him PJ because Adepoju is, is difficult for me as well. But um, – it is uh, again. That's I, I keep telling people. Like as freaky as his brother is, PJ's PJ has considerably more upside. Like that. That's what we're talking about. When I'm like, that guy is so special. It's hard to put it into words. Also, just a quick Google search of Marvin Mims NFL draft, and the first thing that pops up is some buzz with him and the Cowboys, which would be a lot of fun. Him and uh, CD him and CD side by side catching balls from Dak. That wouldn't be too bad. Oh, hard pass. Hard pass. <laughs> Marvin Mims is a good kid. He doesn't deserve that. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Although maybe they're headed in the right direction. Cutting uh, cutting Zeke was probably, I don't know. Maybe that maybe it was like that two wasn't years even too late. Yeah, maybe that wasn't even a good sign. It was the fact that it took this long. It's probably not the best. CD's about I to guess, get paid though. Example. I think they're going to pay CD. Quite a Wait, bit. the Cowboys let guys get really old that probably don't know what they're doing anymore hang around? That's really weird. I, I, I'm sure that doesn't come from the top down. Are you suggesting the euthanization of Jerry Jones? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that that sounds awfully deliberate. You know, but if something were to accidentally happen, you know, I don't think it'd be the worst thing that ever happened to the Cowboys. Josh, I'm just extending the pod here, but uh, what do you think of the rumors of Lamar maybe ending ending up in Indianapolis? Uh, <laughs> I'll take a quarter. Like, hey, 
we don't have to worry about offensive linemen nearly as much anymore. I mean, Lamar can, you know, run away from all the pressure that destroyed Matt Ryan the last couple of, you know, this year. Um, it, I don't know. I've never been a huge Lamar guy as far as like an NFL guy. And I get it. Like there, there's plenty of evidence to say that's just stupid. I just, I feel like we watched Cam Newton play that style of football and then fall apart as he got older and I'm like, Lamar doesn't have that sort of frame. Like, how much time does he really have before all the hits he takes starts catching up? Like, I, I just it scares me. Um, what scares me more is that I am slowly but surely talking myself into Anthony Richardson. And I, oh, no. I, I was just about to <laughs> I ask hate about myself. For that it. sounds like. Well, let me just give you an example. The last time that I sounded like somebody that was talking myself into something. I talked myself into thinking that Purdue was going to win the national championship in basketball. And about midway through that Farley Dickinson game, I <laughs> contemplated jumping on uh, the bridge over Scissortail Park and jumping. So uh, that isn't usually the best thing. But Don't hey, talk yourself into try it. To, uh, try to get yourself there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was because uh, if, if we listen to like a podcast from like right before the combine, I was like, I'm not going to do this. I won't do this. And sure as the world, he's getting mocked more and more to Indianapolis. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, it's a freaky talent. And we've seen this thing happen before, like once, like once ever it's really happened. So I'm it, I, I'm accepting what everybody else has had to deal with in the last 30 years of football where you don't have quarterback play like I just thought I was going to live the great life forever and as soon as Andrew Luck got old somehow we were just going to luck into a shitty season and get whoever his replacement might be but now I don't know it's just I feel like we're, we're looking down the pipe of about 10 years of shit in Indianapolis well on that note yeah I mean yeah. I, that, well, that, that it is what it move. is it is what it is I you know they sold themselves for the at least you got one championship out of it Yes. I, now, I did want to say one thing. Um, I said earlier, you know, this is my uh, take back. Um, I said earlier that Travis Wilson was at Frisco Reedy. He is actually at Frisco Lone Star that did produce Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims, so, Garrett Rangel. A little note. Yep. Mm-hmm. DJ, Very good. DJ Graham, Heisman Trophy winner. You heard it from Josh. At wide wow. receiver. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I... Mm-mm. Well, I don't like that move at all. <laughs> we'll wait until next week until we tell you who he's going to be catching balls from. We'll just start that controversy now at the quarterback position because Davis I know there's Bevel. so many people that want that out there. Uh, yeah, as I reported, Davis Bevel taking uh, first-team snaps, as I reported on the Crimson Corner. <laughs> all right, well, we did it. We got through it. That's about an uh, hour and a half of uh, this week's Unofficial 40. We got Pro Day coming up on Thursday. Kerry will rejoin us uh, next week when we reconvene and get into Building 7. We should end it there now.